Hey, everybody, welcome to Skyline Church Online. So glad that you are joining us for part of your weekend. Listen, if you are new, so glad that you are here. Let us know that you're here. Let us know that it's your first time. We'd love to connect with you. There's a little button that you can click that says new here. Our team would love to connect with you. In fact, we'd love to send you just a little gift this week just to say thank you for being here. Parents, do not forget, we have got online worship experiences for your children. Just go over to Skyline Church. .cc, uh, and on the homepage there, there's a little button that says Sky Kids Online. You can click on that. We've got worship experiences and resources available to them. And really quickly, before we jump into the message for today, I want to—I just want to remind you of two things really quickly. Uh, in just a few weeks, mark your calendar, Sunday, August 2nd, we are going to be reopening our building for in-person gatherings and worship experiences. There's information available online, but mark your calendars to join us in just a few weeks in person. We're so excited to be in the room with you worshiping together. And then next week, Sunday, July 19th, you do not want to miss one of our live online experiences. We've got a big announcement for our church, for the life of our church, and you are not going to want to be behind. You do not want to hear it after the fact. You're going to want to join us live Sunday, July 19th next week for an important, exciting announcement as our church is moving forward. Okay, here we go. We're going to jump in. Movement, part six. Get something to write on. Get something to write with. Here we go. We're going to jump in. Acts chapter eight, starting in verse nine. It says, now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. And they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. And when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now quickly, look look at the person next to you and say, I need a hand. Okay, now, now turn to the person who's your second choice and tell them it looks like they need a hand. Okay, come on, let, let's jump in. We're, we're picking up in Acts chapter 8 for part 6 of our movement series. And, and we, we jumped just a little bit from where we have, uh, and, and two very significant things have taken place that we don't really have time to dig into today, but I just want to mention. So remember that when Jesus started this whole movement in Acts chapter 1, he told his disciples that they were going to go. He said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it's like, hey, you're going to start out in the city that you're in, but you're not going to be able to just stay there because the church was always meant to be a movement. We, 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 we have a going faith, not simply a gathering faith. And so since Acts chapter 5, two profound things have happened. Uh, the, the, the religious system and the religious leaders who were the ones seeking to end Jesus's movement by killing him have now aligned themselves against his movement. And so they've been threatening and they've been persecuting and beating and imprisoning the apostles and the disciples, but they've never been able to bring any charges against them and keep them in prison. But uh, a quick read of Acts 6 and 7, we found out that now they have arrested an apostle named Stephen. In this time, instead of just imprisoning him and beating him and intimidating him and then releasing him, they actually got some people in the local area there to, 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 to speak badly about him, to, 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 to create lies and falsely accuse him, saying like, hey, he, he basically trashed Moses. That, that, that's the lie they tell. And so now Stephen ends up being the first real apologist or, or defender of Jesus and, and of the church, and he's also the first martyr. He, he's the first person to, to lay down his life, to, to be killed. He, he, stands, he, he stands accused and he stands before the leaders and, and he gives this powerful, amazing, articulate, uh, spirit-filled defense of Jesus. And then they have him stoned. Uh, they, 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 they drag him outside into the street and they stone him there to death. And, and if, if you read closely in Acts chapter 7, it says that there's a young man by the name of Saul who, who was the one there, essentially, he was taking the coats of the people who were there stoning Stephen and that he himself approved of this killing. And so we see the first disciple killed for preaching the gospel, for, for preaching the name of Jesus. And then we see what, what becomes of that, the outcome of it. And this is the second significant thing that's happened. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says that Saul approved of their killing him, of killing Stephen. And on that day, great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And it says all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And so it was, the, it was the killing of Stephen, it was the, the martyrdom of Stephen, it was the stoning of this man who was standing in defense of Jesus that moved the church and moved the gospel into its next region. Because remember, Jesus said that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in where? In Judea and Samaria. And so where do we find Philip in Acts chapter 8? He's now in Samaria. So now the church has moved. The church has been has, has broadened itself outside of Jerusalem. Listen, the reality is this, is that your greatest pain might be your greatest catalyst. That the, the thing you're suffering, the, the thing that hurts, the thing that's pushing you and trying you may be the very thing that, that moves you in the direction that you're called to go. Like, we don't even have time to preach on this. This is literally a whole other message, but... What happens to many of us is we get comfortable. Uh, we, we, we stop pushing. We stop growing. We stop moving forward. But listen to me. Sometimes, it's, sometimes you've got to get pushed. Uh, sometimes you've got to get a little bit uncomfortable to fulfill your calling or to, or to move to the next level or to, or to reach the next thing that you're called to. 
I haven't even gotten into the, the real message for today. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you need a hand. Okay, let's, let's, let's jump back in to our text from today. Acts chapter 8, again, starting in verse 9. It says, now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with this sorcery. Now, in your Bible, if you've got it out and you're looking, uh, there might be a, a little subtitle, a little subheading in Acts chapter 8 called Simon the Sorcerer. Uh, and, and he may have well have been known as that in that time. And what we know is that this man, Simon, uh, had been in Samaria for quite a while. Uh, and that while he was there, he had garnered a, a reputation for himself. Now, first century sorcery uh, is a tough thing for us to try and sort out today. We're, we're not going to do that. But, but what you have to understand is that magic and sorcery, uh, all of that language in the first century... Uh, what was, it, it was a pretty common thing. Like you would come across that quite a bit. So, so whether Simon was simply a, a magician, like a street magician uh, who had transfixed people's hearts and minds, or maybe he really meddled in, in some kind of like occult practices, or maybe he was just simply a con man. Like that, that, that's kind of up for debate, but whatever he was, he had gotten a hold of the people's hearts and minds. Quite literally everybody. It, it, the way scripture says is both high and low. And so both the wealthy and the poor, the, the influential and the marginalized, business owners, government officials, who, whoever it was, he had them fixed. And, 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 and I, as I read that, I couldn't help draw some parallels in this encounter because in reality, what, what Simon was providing he, he was providing something for, for these people that really only the gospel could ever truly fulfill. Because something that he offered, whether it was magic or signs or simply a person who was, who was running around proclaiming that he was great, these people were drawn to him. And what Simon is offering is ultimately not going to bring life and fulfillment. And before I can even get where I'm going, some of you are thinking right now, hold on. Pastor, I, I know where you're headed. Slow down. Uh, I, I'm not going to get caught up in sorcery or magic or anything like that. And you're right. It, it, it might not be sorcery. But there are some things that, that if we aren't careful, we will allow to fill us, to amaze us, things or people that will, that will garner our attention and our devotion, our time, our energy, our resources, and much like Simon the sorcerer, those things will make a great name for itself. Because that's what scripture said. Scripture said Simon went around boasting that he was somebody great. And by the way, listen to me. If you have to boast about how great you are, I'm going to fill you in. You're not really that great. And, 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 and because he had them convinced that he was somebody great, they would pay him respect. They would quite literally pay him. But here's the thing about Simon and the thing about that person or that thing or whatever it is that's got you mesmerized or amazed, whatever it is that's got your attention, Simon was simply seeking to make himself great. 
Uh, he was seeking to, to make a name for himself. He had no intention of improving the lives of those who were amazed by him. Simon had no aspirations of helping those following him. He just simply wanted some more followers. And so listen, it, it might not be sorcery. But I promise you that, that whatever social media has promised you or that it can fulfill you or has tried to provide the longing inside of you, it's walking around telling you that its name is great, but it has no vested interest in the betterment of your life. It's not seeking to make you whole and to fulfill you and to give you purpose. Whatever that job or career has promised you, it ultimately cannot keep good on its promise. It will only ever seek to advance itself and never truly fulfill the longing inside of you, the, the desire to feel significance that's in your heart. Whatever satisfaction that addiction has promised you, it cannot keep good on it. Whether it's another high, another weekend, another drink, another hookup, another look at the computer, it has no desire to better your life. It's simply pretending to be something great in the hopes of keeping you amazed and mesmerized. And so you're right, it, it, it's, it's probably not sorcery, but, but there are things that have us transfixed, things that have us mesmerized, things that have our attention. They have us convinced that they will fill us and they will give us what we need. But it, listen to me, it is the gospel of Jesus. It is a life surrendered to Jesus that will fulfill you, that will, that will, that will help step you into the life that God has given you. Because listen to me, until you step into your God-given purpose, your life will never Never be truly aligned because the reality is this the thing that has your attention will ultimately have your treasure and your heart and the gospel always seeks to to, to do two things first to make the name of jesus great but then the second thing is to bring life eternal and abundant life now to those who follow jesus and so we pick up verse 12, it says, so, so Simon's been running around and he's got this whole town mesmerized. He's got them convinced that he's someone great. And then Philip shows up, verse 12. It says, but when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they, they turn. It says that, that they were baptized, both men and women. So now Philip shows up. Remember, Philip has been scattered into Samaria. The church has been pushed beyond Jerusalem. And because of the killing of Stephen, and, and they find themselves in this situation. And by the way, you never know what, what preparation work that the Holy Spirit is doing somewhere before you ever get there. He, he's been laying the groundwork here in Samaria and Philip just gets to sow and reap the benefits of the work. Never underestimate what the Holy Spirit is doing before you show up. Like, Christy and I could have never known the groundwork that the Holy Spirit was doing and laying here in Charlottesville for launching a church before we, before we even moved here, before we even knew that we would come here. How, how he would set up situations and, and draw people into our lives, how we would move into a neighborhood and, and just be on a walk with our small little family and, and meet uh, 
who we thought were random people, but they were neighbors and other people in our neighborhood who would, who would join our launch team and help, help launch this church. I could tell story after story after story of people who the Holy Spirit just brought into our lives. It feels like a coincidence, but it's really not. And how he aligned us together for the launching of a church. You are literally part of a miracle that he did before we even showed up. Never underestimate what he's doing. And I love verse 12 because in this one simple verse, in this one thought, we see the power of the gospel. We see what happens when people come in contact of the, uh, of the true power of Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. There's a complete turning of people in this town. They had previously been transfixed and mesmerized by Simon and his, his work. But when they hear Philip proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus' kingdom. They believe and they're baptized. There's an immediate response to the good news. Because when, when they didn't know any better, they were influenced by, by Simon's sorceries. But when they, hear, when, they, when they heard the gospel proclaim the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and they saw what Philip was doing, they immediately recognized that what they had thought would fill them up, that what they thought should have their attention and devotion was nothing compared to Jesus. Like, when we didn't know any better, we were mesmerized by the job or the person or the addiction or the pain or the affection or the likes or the clicks or the validation, the rush or the affair, whatever it might have been. But then when I actually encounter the gospel, the good news in Jesus and understand that I am completely known and at the same time completely loved and accepted by Jesus, that he would literally step out of eternity and walk through hell itself to get to me, the other stuff just starts to fade. Like, why, why, would, I, why would I want the temporary fix that leave, ends up leaving me empty? Why, why, why would I want the thing that's, that's just pretending when I can have the true living water, the one that will cause me to never thirst again, the well that will never run dry, the one who can satisfy the longing of my heart and soul, the only one who can carry all that I am and then carry me into eternity because what you will begin to recognize is that the gospel, the good news, not only seeks to make the name of Jesus great but to also bring eternal life and abundant life now to those who put their faith in Jesus. And so the town began to plainly see that one of these things was real and the other was a sham. That what they once thought was great and worthy of their affection, they discover, listen to me, you're going to discover that what you think was worthy of your attention was really just scraps falling off the table of what the feast is that Jesus has invited you to be with. And listen, I was, I was particularly challenged by this passage because I began to wonder about the church. I began to wonder about the, the American church. And I thought as I read it, why doesn't the response of people to the gospel in the American church look like it does in Acts chapter 8? Because... Philip shows up, presumably preaches the gospel. He's not there for weeks or months or years. He shows up, preaches the gospel, and almost immediately 
people are confronted and presented with the truth of Jesus and they immediately respond and are baptized. Why isn't that the normal response in the church? Why don't we see people immediately responding to the gospel of Jesus, putting their faith in him and getting baptized? And listen, I figured it's only for one of two reasons. One, people are not regularly being confronted and presented with the gospel. Because if if we aren't careful, we'll we'll turn the gospel into a slightly more righteous and religious sounding version of Simon the Sorcerer. That we can wrap up the self-help, the look better, the sound better, the be better, the have more, be your best self, and we can wrap all that up in Jesus' name. But listen to me, the gospel does not simply declare that you become a better version of you or that you alone can fix it and make it better. Instead, the gospel declares loud and clear that each and every one of us was designed for perfect relationship with our heavenly Father, but that sin has corrupted this world and each of us, and that unless there is a sacrifice, what scripture says, that unless there is the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness. There's no doing away with sin. But here's the good news. Jesus, the very son of God, fully God, fully man, stepped out of eternity to become the perfect, spotless sacrifice on the cross. He stepped into my place of guilt so that I could step into his place of righteousness. And it's in this beautiful remarkable exchange of lives that I have eternal life and abundant life now in Jesus' name. It's not simply an upgrade. It's new life. It's my old life laid down at the feet of Jesus and giving my heart, giving my life, giving my emotions, my dreams, my desires, my passions, my everything to him in order to be a new creation. A new life that the apostle Paul declares makes everything else look like garbage. I'm going to show it to you. Philippians chapter 3. It says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, the apostle Paul says, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regards to the law of Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church as for righteousness based on on the law faultless let me translate if it were him today if it were us he's saying like hey i had everything i had the likes i had the followers i had the riches i had the job i had the vacations i i I had all the things that could fix that could have you fixed up i had all the things that you could imagine that you could hope to attain i had them all but then i heard the message of the gospel. And here's what he says. But whatever were gains to be now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I, I consider all of those things. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage <laughs> that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in death and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. In him, 
In Jesus, there's new life and everything else in this world begins to fade and seem like, like, like the parlor tricks of Simon the sorcerer look cheap and unfulfilling when I come face to face with Jesus. The false security of that job, the cheap infatuation of that person, the quick high and subsequent low of that addiction all becomes cheap in the face of Jesus. And the great mystery of the gospel is this. In order for you to gain new life, you have to lose your life. You have to die in order that you would live. You have to surrender so that you can find freedom. <laughs> Let's finish our text from earlier. And actually, I want to extend it just a few verses. Acts chapter 8, verse 13. It says, Simon himself believes and is baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And oh, how I wish we had more time to dive into this, but this is why I told you to tell somebody next to you that you need a hand. Because, because all throughout the book of Acts, it's made plain that the profession of faith in Jesus and being water baptized is a separate event from being filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, read the text. The Holy Spirit had not yet filled these people. Yes, they had put their faith in Jesus and they had been water baptized in His name but there was a filling and there was an empowering, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit that had not yet happened. And we see the elders, the pastors, the spiritual leaders show up and lay their hands on people and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. There is something spiritual that happens. And this is something hard for all of us that like logical, cookie cutter explanations for things. Listen to me, the Holy Spirit is not cookie cutter. All throughout Scripture, and especially in the book of Acts, we see that there is this spiritual transference of power and spirit by the laying on of hands. And for some of us, we don't like that. We, we don't like the idea of something having to take place by somebody else putting their hands on me and praying for it and transfer. Maybe it's because we don't like the idea of having to be under the authority of a pastor or a spiritual leader. And some of you in this moment want to say, hey, can't, can't Jesus do whatever he wants? Can't the Holy Spirit fill whoever he wants to? And the unequivocal answer is yes, absolutely. Jesus can do whatever He wants. The Holy Spirit can do whatever He wants and fill whoever He wants. But when you look at Scripture, most often the norm is that it takes place by the laying on of hands. By having a spiritual authority who has been filled with the Holy Spirit, probably because someone has laid their hands on them. By them coming to you, laying their hands on you and praying, over you to receive the filling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to say to some of us today. You've put your faith in Jesus. You've been water baptized, but you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've never had a pastor or your church lay hands on you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there is power and strength 
and an ability that you're lacking because you've never been filled. Let's read, read the rest of what this says. It says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands. So Simon watches all of this happen. And he's, he's going around like, oh my gosh, look, look at this. They lay their hands on people and, and people get something. Look what he does. He watches this and it says, he offered them money. And said, give me also the ability. So that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter responds, <laughs> may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive. Simon is thinking about this like, like it's an in-app purchase on your iPhone like I got the free version of the app in Jesus and I like I want the upgrade where I don't have to see the ads anymore <laughs> and here's what's probably most important to understand about what happens here to Simon notice Simon didn't even ask Peter or John to be filled with the Holy Spirit it might have been one thing if he said hey I'll give you some money if you put your hands on me and fill me with the Holy Spirit. But Simon is asking to buy the ability to give people the Holy Spirit. Like, hey, I'll give you some money and then I can do the same thing. It's almost as though he saw an opportunity to get back what he lost. Because people stopped following him and were listening to Philip. But he's thinking to himself, if I can get the ability to fill people with the Holy Spirit, people will start following me again. People will start looking at me again. Two things, listen to me. Simon is trying to leverage the Holy Spirit for his own reputation. He's trying to build his own name. <laughs> He's trying to become more spiritual to build his own reputation. And listen to me, true spiritual maturity and growth will always do two things. It will build up Jesus' reputation and then it will bless others. The goal of spiritual formation, the goal of, of getting closer to Jesus and being more like him never leads us to being made greater ourselves. You are always blessed so that you can bless others. You will always have more finances so that you can bless others financially. You always have more influence so that you can use that influence to help others. We're not intended to store up treasures here on earth, but we're called to store them up in eternity. And secondly, and maybe more important is this, you cannot give to someone else what you haven't received yourself. Stand up right where you are, right this moment. Because this is, this is going to be freeing for some of us. You cannot give to somebody else what you have not received yourself. At this very moment, Simon is wanting to be a part of giving the Holy Spirit to others 
which he's never received. And, but this is a spiritual principle that's true across the board. You cannot give to anyone something you haven't received. I pray that you'll receive this this morning. Some of us to people. You have an inability to give someone the benefit of the doubt because you've never truly accepted the grace that Jesus offers you. Some of us are so negative and so pessimistic, you could never believe the best in anybody because you've never understood that your heavenly Father believes the best in you. Some of us wonder why it's so difficult to forgive people who have hurt us or wounded us or left us and we've tried and we've tried but we've never been able to genuinely forgive that person and it might be because you've never genuinely received forgiveness. You yourself have never received the forgiveness of Jesus. Maybe because you never knew that it was available or maybe because you didn't think that it was for you. Some of us struggle to truly love somebody wholeheartedly and unconditionally because you've never truly received the wholehearted and unconditional love of Jesus. You're not able to give those things to anybody because you've never received them yourself. And what I want to tell you right now in this moment as we honor what the Holy Spirit is saying and what the Holy Spirit is doing is that Jesus stands. Your heavenly Father stands. The Holy Spirit stands ready to give, ready to love, ready to extend grace, ready, already believing the best, already giving you the benefit of the doubt. You've just got to step into it in this moment so right now every head bowed every heart open and maybe you're standing here today under the conviction of the holy spirit and you've never truly accepted the grace and the forgiveness and the love and the affection of jesus and right now in this moment you want to do that so wherever you are head bowed heart open if that's you today you want to receive the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the affection that jesus has for you here's what i want you to do right now wherever you are just put your hand up and say pastor that's me i'm ready to receive i'm ready to step into grace i'm ready to step into forgiveness and i want to pray for you right now wherever you are open your heart jesus i pray right now for every person who's never stepped into your grace before that right now they would step into your grace and into your love into your sacrifice into your forgiveness and maybe for the very first time or for the first time in a long time step into the love that you have for them the life that you have for them and then right now in this moment they have the opportunity to receive life eternal and abundant life here and now come on church begin to lift up a shout of praise for every person giving their heart giving their life to Jesus in this moment all of heaven is celebrating and rejoicing people coming home
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And amen, listen to me. If that was you today, say, hey, I want to step into grace. I want to step into forgiveness. Listen to me, I want to tell you one simple thing. Welcome home. Scripture says that all of heaven is rejoicing with you right now as you walk into new life. Because here's the promise of Scripture. It says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. You're a new creation. You're made new. And we're so thankful for that. We, we, we celebrate along with heaven, celebrating your life. Now, here's what I want to tell you. One of the best things you can do is to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to make change and then take a step in the direction of change. So here's what I want you to do right now. If that was you today, I want you to just click that little button and raise your hand and say, hey, that was me this morning. We want to pray for you. We want to connect with you. We want to partner with you in this new journey of faith in your life. We can't wait to connect with you and celebrate that decision today. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to close our time together the same way we do each and every week with an opportunity to give your tithes and your offerings. Now listen, if you're new with us, we don't want anything from you. In fact, we just hope that this worship experience has been our gift to you. Pray that you've been encouraged, lifted up, challenged. But if you call Skyline your home, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient. Now listen, church, we get to keep making a difference in this season in this crazy stay at home we're reopening season help us continue to bless we got a great opportunity we've got hundreds of articles of clothing that we're going to be able to help distribute into different areas of our neighborhood and our city pray that you'll be a part of that as we continue to bless our city now listen that is because the church is only able to be generous when its people are generous. So continue to be faithful, consistent, and generous so that the church of Jesus can be faithful, consistent, and generous. There's two really easy ways that you can give. You can give online or through our app. You can also give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you wanna give to 84321 and then just follow the prompts from there. Come on church, let's keep being generous. Let's keep blessing our city. Let's keep blessing people. All right, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to pray for you. I want to just speak a blessing over you today as we leave. So right where you are, if you're not standing already, stand up. I pray that you put your hands and just receive this. Jesus, I pray that right now you would go, you'd cause your very presence to go before your people and surround them. Holy Spirit, that you would fill and empower and equip your people. And the Heavenly Father, you would cause your good face to shine upon us and to give us rest and to give us peace until we gather together again in Jesus' name. Church, we love you. Listen, don't forget, next Sunday, July 19th, big announcement you don't want to miss. Mark your calendars. Sunday, August 2nd, we are back live in person. We love you. We miss you. Can't wait to see you. Have a great week.